Thanks for joining us for Open Bible Online today. Open Bible Baptist Church has been in South Jersey for over 60 years. We love this community and we want to be a help to you. In order to help us help you in the best way possible, would you do us a favor? Please fill out the digital connection card posted in this link. Here you could post prayer requests and also ask any questions you may have about Open Bible. If you'd like to give today, you could give online in less than two minutes. Visit openbiblenj.org for more information. Thanks again for joining us today. Now enjoy the service. Well, I'm thankful you're here tonight. It's going to be a great night in church. This morning we heard from Dennis Fountain, the pastor of Moses Lake Baptist Church in Moses Lake, Washington. He's been with us uh, for the last several days preaching to teenagers from all over the Northeast. And we had about 100 teenagers here this week to be able to just get fed the Word of God. We had over 40 decisions for Jesus Christ. And it was just a wonderful, wonderful time at our youth conference. And all those that helped with it or volunteered for it or made it happen, we thank you for all that you did. And if you sent your kids to it. We thank you for sending your kids to it and just being a part of it. I know that they were blessed by it. But tonight we're going to hear from Pastor Dennis one more time. So get your Bibles ready. Get your hearts ready to hear from the Word of God. Pastor Dennis, why don't you come? Give us what you have for us this evening. All right. Well, who got a nap today? Oh, good. Three of you. All right. Well, the rest of you, I hope you'll get a good one in these next few minutes together. <clears throat> I'm just teasing. Um, let's take our Bibles tonight. I want you to go to two places, all right? Let's go to two places. I want to go to 1 Samuel, 1 Samuel chapter number 21. We're going to start there, 1 Samuel 21. And, and then uh, open your Bible as well to Psalm 34, all right? 1 Samuel 21. First Samuel 21 and Psalm 34. I want to say thank you. Thank you for uh, hosting uh, myself this weekend, as well as our other guest speakers that were here, and uh, um, musicians, and then uh, the groups that came in. It's been a great weekend, and I'm thankful. Thank you for being a, a, a friendly church. Um, I, I don't mean that just in a, you know, kind of a nuanced sort of a way. You really, uh, you're a friendly church, and I appreciate that. Um, I can't say that about everywhere that I get to preach. Uh, there's some places, you know, it's kind of as cold as a freezer, and uh, that's not here for sure. You guys have a, a warm spirit about you, and I really, um, I just want to say this tonight. I mentioned it a little bit this morning, uh, but I want to I be a help to you tonight. I know that you're in this uh, transition time of uh, finding a pastor and, and kind of figuring out what God's direction is. And so I want to be a help to you from the Word of God uh, as, you, as you traverse this time. But I also want to encourage you with this. Um, listen, God's got some great things in store for this church if, if the church will walk with Him. I mean, I'm telling you right now, I don't know how many acres you have here, but you've got a beautiful property. You've got, a, you've got some great buildings. You've got some good people. You've got some good staff. You've got uh, just really, you've got all of the makings. How many like pumpkin pie? You like pumpkin pie? Man, I'm a pumpkin pie person. When it comes to Thanksgiving, I'd eat pumpkin pie year-round. Like Costco pumpkin pie. You guys have Costco out here? Costco pumpkin pie is amazing. It's amazing. Listen, 
I don't, I don't care if you have all the fixings for a pumpkin pie. You can have it all there, but until it gets put together, that's when it's really good. Right now, listen, right now you've got all the fixings for, just some, for, God to, for God to literally just blow this thing up. And what I mean by that is like this church to just truck forward and accomplish a lot of things for God. It's, it's all, the fi- all, all the ingredients are here. Everything's there. And so I want to encourage you to walk with God. And that's what I want to help you with a little bit tonight. So we're going to be in our passage, 1 Samuel chapter number 21. We'll be there in, in just a minute and Psalm 34. You ever met somebody and um, you met them maybe once or twice or three times and the, uh, the first time you met them, it was fine. But then the second time you were around them, the third time you were around them, they were almost a totally different person. You ever had that happen in your life? Years ago, I was in, uh, in college in Oklahoma, and uh, while I was there in college, um, I was a bellman at a hotel, a pretty fancy hotel where we hosted um, professionals and different things that would come through. And, and at one point, we had a, uh, if, I, if I named him, you would know, know him very well. We had a, a professional quarterback. He had played in the NFL for decade, for a very long time uh, up here in the Northeast, and he was retired, but he was into... Uh, um, into horses and showing horses. And so he was at a, at a show, horse show in Oklahoma, and I got to be there, and I was assigned by my manager. He said, Dennis, listen, so-and-so is going to be here, and uh, you're, you're going to be taking care of him the entire time he's here. You're his bellman. You're driving him around. You're taking care of him. And so I thought, man, that'll be great. And so this uh, fella came in. I met him, and uh, hello, Mr. So-and-so. My name's Dennis. I'll be your bellman the entire time you're here. Let me get your bags. And listen, he was awesome. We were talking, and we were cutting up. I had, uh, it was part of the agreement that I would go to his room, and he, and he would sign a bunch of things uh, for the hotel staff. And so I, I literally stood in his room for about, about 30, 35 minutes, just talking it up with him. And he, was signing, he signed 33 different items that, that uh, they had him sign. And, and then he signed a football and, and uh, signed a football for me and signed a football for my dad. And uh, man, it was just, it was one of those cool experiences. And we were talking about God and talking about faith in the Lord and found out he, he was a professed believer. I mean, it was just, it was one of those cool experiences I was just excited about as a 19-year-old kid. Man, this is awesome. That night I went home, got off work, went home and got up the next morning, had to be back at the, at the uh, hotel that morning at six. And um, I got back to the hotel and uh, right when I got to, the, to my Bellman stand, it was about 5.55 a.m., and right when I walked up, the phone started ringing. And I picked up the phone. I said, this is the Bellman stand. This is Dennis. How can I help you? And I began to get an earful. Where are you at? Why aren't you up here in my room? I told you to be up here at such and such time to carry my bag, blah, 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 blah. And I'm thinking, man, it's 5.55 in the morning. And I, I said, I'm, I'm sorry. Um, what room is this? And I found out it was that same fella. And I said, sir, we agreed I wasn't going to be up there till 6.30 a.m. That's, that's what you had said. And he was like, well, that's not, that's not what our agreement was. And, and he began to just let me have it. That morning, I, well, I, I got off the phone, said, all right, I'll be right up. Went up, got his bag, brought it down. He came down to the breakfast area. And I, I won't go into all of it, but 
he was a totally different person. If I, if I could say it this way, and, and uh, kids, your mom and dad might tell you not to use this word, but I'm going to say it. He, he was kind of a jerk. I mean, the guy was just, he, he was rude. He was short. Not just with me, with tons of people. It was so bad that there was a, an older fellow that he was with that helped him show the horses and go to the rodeos and different things. And that fellow came over to me, and he didn't know me at all. He put his hand on my shoulder and he said, son, he said, let me tell you a little bit about so-and-so. He said, I knew his dad and said, this is, this is kind of what, he li- this is what he's like every now and then. Just, just forgive him and you and I can talk. Don't worry about him. <clears throat> I kind of I wish that I maybe didn't have to work that Saturday. I kind of wish that I could have left off with the first impression you know, I, I kind of, I still to this day, I mean, he's on, he's on, uh, he's on the TV still every now and then, and I, and I see him, and you know what, when I see him, and when I hear of him, or hear of statistics, or things that he did in sports, when I hear of him, you know what I think of? I think of Saturday morning. That's what I think of. That's what comes to my mind. You ever met somebody, it's almost like meeting two different people. They're one way one time, and they're another way another time. Isn't it sad that we all encounter people like that? You know what the frustrating thing is, though? You and I can be that way, too. You and I can be that way, too. We can be, uh, we can be two different people. And the Bible has characters, scripture, scriptural characters, people, and they were the same way. Almost two different characters. And tonight, we're going to come to 1 Samuel chapters 21 through 24. We're going, to, we're going to go through three chapters tonight. We'll do it all briefly. But we're going to look into the life of a man. You know him as, as King David. Maybe you might have called him David the shepherd boy or David the Goliath slayer. We all know the life of David. But as we come to 1 Samuel's chapters 21 through 24, we find David almost as two different people. We find David uh, acting in ways that we would say, wow, that is the David we know. And then we find David acting in ways that we would say, wow, that, wait, wait, that's King David? (laughs) Wait, that's the one that they said he's a man after God's own heart? Wow, this just doesn't make sense. And tonight I want to show you what I believe the difference maker was in the life of David to cause him from going from being total crazy madman to someone who God used. There was something in the middle. And because we have the entire word of God, we can compare scripture with scripture. And tonight, listen, we find out exactly what it was in the middle. So take your Bible, if you would, and let's go to 1 Samuel. 1 Samuel chapter number 21. I'm going to actually back up one verse, one verse to chapter 20 and verse number 42. 1 Samuel chapter 20 and verse 42. It says this, and Jonathan, he said to David, go in peace. For as much as we have sworn both of us in the name of the Lord, saying the Lord be between me and thee and between my seed and thy seed forever. And he arose and departed and Jonathan went into the city. Then came David. 
came David to Nob, to Ahimelech the priest. And Ahimelech was afraid at the, uh, at the meeting of David and said unto him, Why art thou alone and no man with thee? Now pause for just a second. David now is beginning to flee for his life from Saul. This would really be about the third time that David has done this. But this time David's actually on the run. He goes to Ahimelech, to the priest at Nob. Uh, some things transpire. We'll see those in just a minute. But I want you to jump down, if you would, to verse number 10. Verse number 10 of 1 Samuel 21. In leaving Nob, it says this, that David, he arose, and he fled that day for fear of Saul, and he went unto Achish, the king of Gath. And the servants of Achish said unto him, Is not this David the king of the land? Did they not sing one to another of him in dances, saying, Saul hath slain his thousands, and David his ten thousands? And David laid up these words in his heart. He thought about them. And he was sore afraid of Achish, the king of Gath. And he changed his behavior before them and feigned or faked himself mad in their hands and scrabbled on the door of the, of the, the doors of the gate and let his spittle fall down upon his beard. Then said Achish unto his servants, Lo, ye see, the man is mad. Wherefore then have ye brought him to me? Have I need of a mad, uh, have I need of mad men that ye have brought this fellow to play the madman in my presence? Shall this fellow come down into my house? David, therefore, he departed thence, and he escaped to the cave Adullam. Tonight, from these these verses and the preceding the, the following verses. We're going to find David, and I'll just give you the, the quick synopsis of everything. We're going to find David at a place where he was manipulative, he was lying, he was scheming, he was only out for his own self-interests. We're going to find him there, but then we're also going to find David at a place where he was seeking God, trusting God fearing God, and walking with God. But what made the difference? How'd he go from crazy man to collected man? How did he go from someone just acting, acting like a fool to someone who was spirit-filled? I think it'll be a help to us tonight. So let's pray, and then we'll get right into the Word. With our heads bowed and our eyes closed, would you take a minute? And would you... Just give God permission to speak to you. God, please speak to me tonight. God, help me to hear from you. God, teach me a lesson. And then would you make a commitment? God, if you speak to me, I'm listening tonight. Dear Lord, we come before you and we thank you for the word of God. Thank you for how you use it in each of our lives. Thank you, Lord, for giving us people in Scripture that we can look to and that you use their life to speak to us today. And so, God, I pray that you'd use the life of David to speak to us tonight and to help us. We love you, God, and we thank you for your love. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
If you know the story of David, then you know that David went from the shepherd's field to the throne. Just a matter of a number of years when he did this. Of course, just a quick short recap of David's life up to this point. David has already been chosen king. He has defeated Goliath. David has risen in leadership in, uh, in Saul's army. He was really, uh, uh, David would have been a general at about the, the age of 19 or 20 years old. He would be one that they would begin to sing uh, 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 folk songs about that we just read a second ago. Saul has slain his thousands, but, but David has slain his tens of thousands. And David would rise in leadership and then he would have his, his own mentor, Saul, turn against him and pursue him and try to kill him. And David would, uh, would lose uh, his best friend, Jonathan. He would lose his, his first wife, Michelle or Michael, as we read it in scripture. And now as we come to 1 Samuel chapter 21, David, he's completely on the run. He's lost his best friend. He's lost his wife. He leaves behind all of his belongings. And, but up until this point... Really, if you go and you research the life of David up until 1 Samuel chapter number 21, we don't have a lot of negative things about David. You don't read a lot of negativity about the life of David. But tonight as we come to 1 Samuel 21, we see David in a different light. And you may not, may not see David in a different light tonight because of not knowing what's taking place. But I hope that you'll see tonight that David, on the one hand... Before this, he was a man who walked with God, and after this, he'll be a man who walks with God for a, a time being. But during this time, we're going to discover a, a fear-driven, lying, and scheming madman. That's, that's the description of David. And then on the other hand, we're going to see a man who is fearing God, trusting God, and seeking God. As we look at this passage tonight, I want us to notice, first of all, what I've titled David I titled David in 1 Samuel chapter 21, a disgraceful man. A disgraceful man. Well, why would we call him a disgraceful man? Well, I said it a moment ago, we haven't seen a lot of negativity in David's life. But tonight we're going to. And we have to know that David wasn't a perfect man, was he? And yet he was still a man that God chose to identify by the phrase, a man after God's own heart. I spoke about that phrase to the teenagers on one of the sessions, I think, on, on Friday. Simply meaning David was a man who was humble with God, honest with God, and sought the heart of God. He just kept coming back to God. Aren't you thankful that we have a God who, uh, like the Father in Luke chapter number 15, is always, always standing with open arms? Hey, aren't you thankful God takes you back when you're not the best? <laughs> aren't you thankful that God's love... Listen... God's love for you is not based upon you, it's based upon him. And God will never love you any more or any less than he does right now. You can't earn more love, you can't lose love, his love is perfect. Man, that love that he had toward, has towards you and toward me is the same love that he had toward David. And yet, and yet David, even though he's a man after God's own heart, David wasn't perfect. Did you know that the best of men are men at best? Everybody has their flaws. Everybody has their sin. As a matter of fact, we have times in David's life when we become surprised about what is told us about David. Times when we look into David's life and we go, really? Really, the, the king did that? Really, David, the psalmist, he said that? 
And I think at times we might wonder, God, why do you record for us? Think about this. Do you ever wonder, God, why do you record for us the flaws of the people of the Bible? I mean, I don't know about you, but I I love David. He's one of my favorite characters. I wish, I wish, 2 Samuel chapter 11, I, I wish I didn't know that about David. What's 2 Samuel 11? It's David and Bathsheba. I wish I didn't know that story about David. I wish I didn't know that about David. Man, it really, it, it taints David's life to you and me, doesn't it? I mean, a man who, who is a man who seeks after God and yet he commits adultery and lies to cover it up and murders to cover it up and then goes months to, uh, to try to uh, uh, take care of it on his own and then his own son turns against him and then Sheba, the Benjamite, turns against him. I mean, all of these things. Don't you just wish 2 Samuel 11 didn't take place? But listen, we have to know this tonight before we go any further that God, he allows us, hey, he allows us to see the flaws of the men of the word of God because he wants you to know, hey, just like I used them, they weren't perfect, and you're not perfect either, and I can use you. Oh, I'm thankful, God. I'm thankful that God put those things in the Bible. As a matter of fact, the book of Romans, chapter 5 and verse number 14, or chapter five, 15 and verse number 4, excuse me, it says this, for what, whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning that we, through patience and comfort of the Scriptures, might have hope. You know why God records the flaws and the sins of his people in Scripture? I mean, almost every character in the Word of God has some negativity recorded about them. There's only, really, there's only two or three in the Word of God that we don't read negative things about them that were key characters. You know why God did that? He did it so you can know, hey, God used them and God can use me. Well, why do we need to know that? Because the devil likes to crawl up on your shoulders and he likes to crawl up in your marriage and he likes to crawl uh, upon your kids' shoulders and he likes to say, hey, psst, hey, you're worthless. I can't believe you said that. I can't believe you did that. And the devil likes to do that. But you know what God says? He says, I recorded a bunch of people just like you and yet I used them. Does that give us grace to sin? Well, Paul wrote it, God forbid, how shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? No, it doesn't give us a, it doesn't give us license to sin. It doesn't give us, grace doesn't give us license to sin. It gives us, it gives us opportunity and strength to walk with God. So we have recorded, for, sorry, that was a rabbit trail. We have recorded for us David. David, this man after God's own heart, and yet... We come to 1 Samuel 21, and what's David doing? He's making some very bad decisions. What were some of his bad decisions? Well, first off, verse 1 and verse number 2 of 1 Samuel 21, David flees to Ahimelech the priest. And listen to what David says. Then came David to Nob to Ahimelech the priest, and Ahimelech was afraid at the meeting of David and said unto him, Hey, why art thou alone and no man with thee? Notice what David said to Ahimelech the priest. Oh, the the king, the king commanded me a business and hath said unto me, let no man know anything of the business whereabout I send thee and what I have commanded thee and I have appointed my servants to such and such a place. Now, you and I at surface value reading this, we wouldn't think much of it. But can I just tell you right now, David's lying straight through his teeth. The king hadn't sent him. He was running from the king. The king had not 
told him to do anything, and yet David is here making a poor decision. What's his decision? His decision is to lie to try to cover up him fleeing from the place he knew God wanted him to be. And we don't have time to go in and research all of that, but I personally believe, and I think I could show it from Scripture, that David was at a time in his life when he knew God was not leading him to run, and yet David was running. Now he's lying. The line continues, verse number 8. David said to Ahimelech, Is there not here under thine hand spear or sword? For I have neither brought my sword nor my weapons with me, because the king's business required haste. His line continues to get, the, get food for his soldiers. His line continues here by saying the king's business requires haste. His line continues throughout the entire chapter. David just lying to cover his tracks. Verse number 9, Ahimelech gives him Goliath's sword. David should have had a light bulb go on right about then because that sword didn't work out too well for Goliath. And yet David's going to take it. He's going to run. But here's what the Bible says. Look with me, if you would, at verse number 7. Notice who saw all of this. Now a certain man of the servants of Saul were there that day detained before the Lord. And his name was Doeg, an Edomite, the chiefest of the herdmen that belonged to Saul. Doeg, a servant of Saul, sees this. He sees David running. He sees David lying. He sees David being deceitful and David ultimately trying to manipulate a situation and relying on his own, uh, his own thinking and his own strength. And just kind of put that away that David is doing all of this and Doeg sees it. Well, David's foolishness continues. Verse number 10, he leaves Nob and he goes to Achish, the king of Gath, Achish. And in fear, he flees to the enemies of God. There's really a whole message we could go on there. Isn't it interesting that oftentimes when we are trying to, uh, um, to excuse ourselves from the things that God wants us to do, we often find ourselves friending, befriending the enemy. Oh, it doesn't mean that you're literally saying, hey, devil, I, uh, I'm wondering if you could be on my side. But we find ourselves often befriending the devil's tactics. That's what David was doing. He would go to Gath to find sanctuary, and so what is he doing now? He's lying, manipulating, scheming, and now he's abandoning God's people. He goes before Achish, and we just read the story a moment ago that they, they go to, the, the men go to Achish, and they're like, hey, is not this David, the, the great one, the great warrior of, of Israel? What are you doing allowing him to be here? And David feigns himself or fakes to be a madman and, and just starts acting crazy, and the spit is running down on his beard, and all of these different things. And Really, we could just look and we can summarize 1 Samuel chapter number 21 as David making bad choice after bad choice after bad choice. 
This king who had, he had seen God work. I mean, he had even seen God deliver God's people from some incredible things. And yet David is here making foolish choices. He's not trusting God. He's, he's lying. He's scheming. He's trying to find uh, some human method to take care of his situation of Saul pursuing him. And the fact of the matter is that we have all been there. Oh, Saul may not pursue you, but we've all been to the place where we resort to our own methodologies and our own scheming to solve the problems and the trials that we face. But what David didn't realize is that his decisions did not just affect him. If you were to go to 1 Samuel chapter number 22, later you would find that Doeg reports to Saul the decisions that David made. And you know who ends up dying for it? Ahimelech, the priest. And not only Ahimelech, but Ahimelech's family and his children. And not only Ahimelech's family and children, but all of the priests who were at Nob, all of them and all of their wives and children, they all suffer. Listen, they all suffer because of the foolish decisions of David. And can I just tell you right now that you and I, as we travel through life, whenever we pick situations up and we begin to try to manipulate and we begin to try to scheme and we begin to try to uh, uh, position ourselves to make things go our way, Hey, our foolish choices do not only affect us, they also affect those around us. And dad, your foolish choices, it may not, it may not come back to, to bite you right now, but listen, in the end, at the end of the day, when it's all said and done, you know who's going to pay for your foolish decisions? Is your family. Mom, your kids might pay for those foolish choices to, to pursue your own way and to pursue your own methods and to uh, try to accomplish your own schemes to navigate life. Hey, we all, every, every one of us, every one of us, every now and then, we play the fool like David played. David's at a disgraceful time in his life. He's making foolish decisions that is negatively affecting the lives of so many people. But then we read something taking place. In verse number 20, or verse number 1 of chapter 22, we read this. That David therefore departed thence and escaped to the cave Adullam. What did he do when he escaped to the cave of Adullam? We're going to find out in just a minute what took place there. But David goes into the cave. And after he comes out of this cave, skip down, if you would, to verse number 3. Verse number 3 of 1 Samuel chapter number 22. It says, And David went thence to Mizpah of Moab, and he said unto the king of Moab, Let my father and my mother, I pray thee, come forth and be with you until I know what God will do for me. And he brought them before the king of Moab, and they dwelt with him all the while that David was in the hold. And the prophet Gad said, said unto David, Abide not in the hold, depart and get thee into the land of Judah. Then David departed and came into the forest of Hereth. We find David as a disgraceful man in, verse number, in chapter number 21, but in chapter number 22, we find David as a different man. What do we find in David's life in chapter number 22? Well, we find David living in dependence upon God. Oh, well, Pastor Dennis, where do you see that? Do you notice right there in verse number 3 of 1 Samuel 22, 
It says David went to Mizpah to Moab. He went to the king. He said, hey, let my family stay with you. Do you notice right at the end, David says, let them stay with you until what? Until I know what God's going to do. You know, David was saying, hey, I just need some time with God. That's, that's what that means. Until I know what God will do for me, David was saying, hey, I'm getting away and I'm just going to spend some time with God. Verse number four, he does it. What's verse four say? It says that David went down into the hold. You know what that is? That's David going down into another cave. He's going down into another cave. And what's it, what was David's action showing us? Why did God put this in here that David went to the cave of Adullam and then David also went to the hold right outside of Moab? What was David doing? Hey, listen, David was just seeking the mind of God like we heard this morning. Man, David was just saying, hey, listen, I, I, I just got to stop. I've got to go to the Lord. I've got to think about this. He was showing dependence upon God. From there, David would go to the forest of Hereth. And in chapter 23 and verse 1, it says this, Then they told David, saying, Behold, the Philistines fight against Kilah. And they robbed the threshing floors. Therefore David inquired of the Lord, saying, Shall I go and smite these Philistines? And the Lord said unto David, Go and smite the Philistines, uh, and go and smite the Philistines and save Kilah. And David's men said unto him, Behold, we be afraid here in Judah. How much more then if we come to Kilah against the armies of the Philistines? And then David inquired of the Lord yet again. And the Lord answered him and said, Arise, go down to Kilah, for I will deliver the Philistines into thine hand. What is David doing in 1 Samuel 23? This time, David is once again, listen, he is once again seeking God. He's once again going after God. Hey, God, uh, the Philistines are coming against our, our brothers up there in Kilah. What do you want me to do? And God said, all right, David, I want you to sit back and just wait a second. Okay, God, they're there again. What do you want me to do? Hey, David, I want you to go pursue after them. What is David showing? He's showing a dependence upon God now. Now, let me ask you a quick question. Does that sound like a little bit of a different David than what we found in 1 Samuel 21? I would say so. I would say it's a different character. Why? 1 Samuel 21, he doesn't seek God. He just flees. He lies. He schemes. He manipulates. 1 Samuel 22, 1 Samuel 23, what's he doing? He's showing dependence upon God. What else changed in David? Chapter 24. What happens in chapter number 24? In chapter number 24, David, he shows that he delights in mercy. We won't take the time. We, we don't have the time to do that. But verse chapter number 24, here's what takes place. You know the story. If you've been in church for any length of time, Saul, he goes into a cave. Saul's pursuing after David at this time. Saul goes into a cave. The, the Bible says that Saul went into, uh, um, basically he went into use the restroom. <laughs> That's what Saul was doing. And he would take an outer robe off and leave it there and then go back further into the cave to, to use the restroom. Unbeknownst to Saul, David and his men are inside of that cave. And it just so happens that David is by the outer coat of Saul. 
And David's men, listen, David's men, some of, his, uh, some of the mighty men that you would read about in, in, in uh, 2 Samuel uh, chapter 23, somewhere in there I think, might, might be later, but you would read about all of these men. They begin advising David, hey David, David, now's your chance. Kill him, kill him. And you know what David said to him? The famous verse, how can I lift my hand against God's anointed? I don't know about you, but I don't find it easy to think forgiveness instantly when people have wronged me. Here's a man literally chasing him, trying to kill him. Uh, if you don't know the script, if you don't know the story, up to this point, Saul's tried to kill him three or four times, like by throwing a javelin at him. I mean, maybe one time you would excuse it. Oh, he tripped. You know, here is, here is David playing his harp, and a Saul, I mean, a Saul, a Saul came flying through the air. Uh, a javelin came flying, that was funny to me. A javelin came flying through the air, just right next to him, right in the wall. And I can imagine David like, you okay, Saul? One time, okay. Two times, Three times, now, now the roles have changed a little bit. Hey, now David has a chance, 1 Samuel 24, David has a chance to get even. But what's David do? He delights in mercy. Seems like a different guy, doesn't it? Seems like a different person from 1 Samuel 21. And you say, Pastor Dennis, why... Why bring these up? I bring these up because I wonder what made the difference. Well, what made the difference from going from lying, scheming, manipulative, madman to dependence upon God, delighting in God, pursuing God? Like, what, what changed? What went on in David's mind? What happened? And the cool thing is we know exactly what happened. Go back with me, if you would, to 1 Samuel chapter number 22. And I want us to see, as we wrap this up tonight, a defining moment. A defining moment in verse Samuel, 1 Samuel chapter 22 and verse number 1, it says this. David, therefore, departed thence, and he escaped to the cave Adulam. That was the turning point. Verse number three, he went to the hold in Moab. That was the turning point. You say, all right, Pastor Dennis, great. What's that mean? Do you want to know what happened in the cave at Adulam? Want to know what happened in the, the holds near Moab? We know exactly what happened. Turn to Psalm 34. Because while David was in the cave of Adullam is when he wrote Psalm 34. While David was in the cave of Adullam and in the holds of Moab, David wrote Psalm 56 and Psalm 57. And in Psalm chapter 34 specifically, we can learn that, you know what happened? Hey, you want to know what happened in the caves? 
David spent time with God. He just got alone with God. And God taught David four lessons. And so if we can, for the next five to seven minutes, I want to show you the four lessons David learned that helped him become a different man. Lesson number one, Psalm 34. Psalm 34 and verse number four. Lesson number one, fear God, not man. Lesson number one, fear God, not man. Verse four, I sought the Lord and he heard me and delivered me from all my fears. They looked unto him and were lightened and their faces were not ashamed. This poor man cried and the, the Lord heard him and saved him out of all his troubles. The angels of the Lord encampeth round about them that fear him and delivereth them. Verse number nine, O fear the Lord, ye his saints, for there is no want to them that fear him. You know what David said from his cave time in Adullam, from his cave time at the hold near Moab? Here's what David said. When I was in the cave, I understood this. I need to fear God, not man. Because when we fear man, you know what that causes us to do? When we fear man, it causes us to pick up our situation and us to try to control it. When we fear man, it causes us to lie and to scheme. When we fear man, it causes us to manipulate people and try to position ourselves to have the upper hand. But here's what God showed David when I hope God would show us tonight. Hey, you want to be a different person in your moments? You want to be a person who depends upon God and delights in mercy? Lesson number one, fear God, not man. Hey, fear God this week, not man. And it's not, a, it's not talking about a fear of I'm afraid of. This is reverence towards God, having, having a respect of God higher than my uh, respect of men, needing the, uh, the, the, uh, the, the attention in the heart of God more than needing the attention of man. David's heart was saying, God, I want to highly respect you and highly revere you more than anybody else in my life. You know what this causes you to do? It causes you and I to want to please God more than man. Hey, when we fear God more than man, it causes us to want to please God more than man. Lesson number one in the cave time with God, fear God, not man. Lesson number two, trust God, not yourself. Lesson number one, fear God, not man. Lesson number two, trust God, not yourself. Where do we see it? Psalm chapter 34 and verse number 8. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed. Hey, blessed is the man that trusteth in him. Many people interpret that word blessed as just the word happy. And while they, you would, they would use the Hebrew word here in Psalm 34, the Greek word for the word blessed that we find in the New Testament, the Beatitudes, blessed are, you remember that? The Greek word blessed there, it doesn't just mean happy. It means divine joy. It means joy that no one can take away. Hey, listen. Divine joy, real joy that no one can take away belongs to those that just trust God. David said, hey, you know what I learned in the, in the cave? 
I learned that I need to trust God and not my own heart. In these passages, we find David, in this passage, we find David pointing to the fact that trusting in the Lord is what truly sustains the follower of God. And God is for me, and so I can trust his working in my life and his plan for my life. I love how one man said it. He said it this way, God is infinitely more concerned with delivering me, with delivering me from my fears than he is about delivering me from my circumstances. And you know what a trust in God does? It helps you. It helps me. Why? Because if he's in control, then I can know I'm not. I can trust him. Lesson number one, fear God, not man. Lesson two, trust God, not myself. Lesson three, seek God. Seek God, not my own agenda. Lesson number three, seek God and not my own agenda. Psalm 34, verse 10 and 11. The young lions do lack and suffer hunger, but they that seek the Lord, they shall not want any good thing. Come, ye children, hearken unto me, and I will teach you the fear of the Lord. They that seek the Lord shall not want any good thing. David's saying, hey, let me, let me teach you what, what I've learned. Seek God. Seek God, not your own agenda. We would continue, and we, we don't have the time to do it, but in verse number 13, David's basically saying, lying and scheming and manipulating, it didn't work. Verse number 14, uh, you need to depart from evil. Why? Because evil was my plan. Revenge was my plan. And here's what David is saying. You need to put down the sword. You need to quit fighting. You need to seek peace and pursue it. Verse 14, here's David on the other side. David now getting ready to go face the Philistines. David now saying, hey, in my plan, my plan was fearing Saul and not God, and I fled. My plan was trusting my own mind and not God's mind, and I lied. My plan was, my plan was to seek, to seek out my own solutions, and I manipulated, and I schemed. But when I spent time with God, I learned, fear God, not man. Trust God, not your own heart. Seek God, not your own agenda. Verse number 18, the Lord is nigh unto them that are of a broken heart and saveth such as be of a contrite spirit. You know, it's David was getting at in all of this is him saying, hey, God does his best work when you're broken and humble before him and seeking him. David's defining moment was in the cave of Adullam, was in the hold of Moab. What did he learn? He learned fear God. He learned trust God. He learned seek God. In the last lesson tonight, he learned praise God. Hey, just learn to praise God. Verse number one through three of Psalm 34 
I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul shall make her boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear thereof and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. You know what David says in all of this? Hey, I was reminded to just praise God. My trials, they may be hard, but I can praise him because I know he is in control. I can praise him because he is my refuge. I can praise him because he meets my needs. I can praise him because he sees my heart. I can praise him because he's merciful to me. And if you were to go and compare all of the scripture from Psalm 34, Psalm 56, and Psalm 57, you would find that the difference maker in David's life from him being a lying, scheming, manipulating, uh, uh, just foolish decision-making man, from him being that to somebody who depended upon God, delighted in God, delighted in mercy, and, and, and pursued after God, the difference maker was David. David's cave time with God. Because in the cave, David learned. Fear God, trust God, seek God, and praise God. Now before we, before we dismiss, dismiss tonight, I just want to apply it real quick and we're done. If we're not careful... If we're not careful, we all play the fool like David more often than we want to. And we, put, we try to, in our families, in our churches, at the workplace, we find ourselves trying to manipulate situations. We find ourselves trying to lie and scheme and get the upper hand. We find ourselves trying to position ourselves so that we look good before people. Can I tell you, life's goal is not to make you look good before people. Life's goal is to make him look good before people. And do you know what a lot of Christians just need? A lot of Christians just need some cave time with God. spoke about it this morning. I'll tie it back in tonight. You know what this world needs? This world just needs some Christians who spend time in the Word and seeking the Spirit of God and let God lead their decisions. Did you know the, boy, the, the Christian life, the Christian life really isn't hard when you let God do it. Oh, it's hard when you and I try to do it. But it's not hard when we learn, fear God, not man. Trust God. Don't trust your own heart. Your heart lies to you. It's deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Seek God. Don't pursue your own agenda. Don't pursue your own purposes. Seek his. And then at the end of the day, like David, you're just going to be able to praise God. Aren't you thankful we have a God who is worthy of all praise. And in the good times and bad times, in the good times and the bad times, we have a God who's worthy of all that praise that we can give to him. I want to ask you tonight, how's your cave time with God going? Hey, how's your, hey, you want to be a different person this week? Spend time in the cave with God. What's that mean, pastor? In the morning, Get up a few minutes early.
Get in his word. Seek his spirit. Ask him to help you. God, help me to fear you, trust you, seek you, and praise you today. I promise you, based upon the principles of God's word, if you and I would do that tomorrow, we'd pill our head tomorrow night as a different person than we were when we woke up. I'd like to pray with you with our heads bowed and our eyes closed. Tonight I would ask you that if God spoke to you, would you be responsive to him? Maybe tonight God challenged you that you don't have cave time. You haven't been spending time alone with God. You haven't been seeking God. And tonight maybe the lesson that you would learn is, God, I need more cave time with you. But then maybe tonight you would look at those four simple lessons and you'd say, I've been fearing man and not myself, or not, 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 not God. I've been fearing man, and I've been fearing what people think rather than what God, what God thinks. Maybe you'd say, I've been trusting my own mind and my own heart and not trusting what God has for me. I've been seeking my own agenda, not God's. If God spoke to you tonight, I just want to encourage you to respond to him. Dear Lord, I pray that you'd help us. Help us to spend time in the cave with you. It really makes a difference, Lord. I pray that you'd help me with this this week. Lord, would you help me to wake up every day and realize that, that you are the difference maker in my life. Father, I look around tonight. I believe this room is filled with a lot of people who want to make a difference in this world for you. But God, we're not going to make a difference unless you first make a difference in us. And so I pray that you'd help us tonight. Help us to learn these lessons, to fear you, to trust you, to seek you, and to praise you. And then, Lord, if there's someone here tonight, they don't know for certain that heaven is where they would spend eternity, would you help them tonight to come to know you as their personal Savior? Help them to make the decision to put their faith and trust in you and you alone. Help us to respond. In Jesus' name we pray. Thanks again for watching us online today. If you haven't done so already, please fill out a digital connection card so we know how to better serve you this week. For encouragement throughout your week, you can listen to past sermons by searching Open Bible Baptist Church on the Apple Podcast or Google Play Store. If you'd like to give today, you could give online at openbiblenj.org. Thanks again for joining us today. We'll see you on the next broadcast.